Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 38. And on this episode, it's just me, no guest. Um, had no plans on doing this episode, but on this one, I am in a rut big time with a project that I'm trying to edit. And I do a little rambling. I go into some stuff with interviews and content, but pretty much the entire reason for this podcast was for me to try and talk through my editing process and let you guys come along through that process, which is pretty short, but... When I get in a rut, I like to just think things through, talk it through, write notes, and I thought it might be a good thing for you guys to listen through. So this one's all about editing and creating content in the field and B-roll, so I hope you enjoy it. Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. go ahead and tell you it's going to be a little bit different podcast today. I am uh, sitting here looking in front or looking at my computer trying to get past the first two minutes of a edit that I'm that I've been working on for about two days now and I am it's not having a mental block but I am definitely having a day that I don't want to edit, I guess you could say. Um, you do this enough, you do this long enough, you're going to have some days to where you're going to look over footage that you've looked at 15 times already and you're just not going to want to edit. Uh, or it's going to be something that isn't very interesting to you or sometimes they're just mind-numbing edits to where they're not hard, but they're just something that you don't really care about working on that day and I'm having one of those days for sure having one of those days today um, I've been working on this project for a couple days filmed it a couple weeks ago and I've got to have it out before I go out of town on Thursday so I have today and tomorrow to finish it and to the best of my knowledge and best of my ability I feel like it's going to take me that whole time problem is it was a three-day trip this first and second day not much at all happened it was almost kind of a wash those first two days the third day is when everything happens so I've got to try and get from day one to day two to day three combine all the footage and make it look like something happened on all three days or make a good excuse as to why nothing happened on the first two days and it's just it's frustrating in the field when you have things that don't go right, that don't play out the way that either they were supposed to or the way that you expected them to. Like on this trip, we had the weather. We had everything in our favor. Um, we just couldn't get, the uh, in this case, the fish to cooperate. We were bow fishing for mahi-mahi off the coast of Key West, and we had beautiful weather. Everything was good, just the fish would were staying deep and I've got about 15,000 clips of not killing fish and now I've got a now I get the wonderful beautiful you know luxury task of trying to make this look like it was better than it was so I've got to figure out a way to do that and 
today my mind and my brain just isn't working. Uh, I feel like it's one of those days I would rather be doing anything but what I'm doing. But the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I feel like if you do this enough, you do any job enough, you're going to have days and situations like this. I talk about this a lot. Summer time usually normally or in the past six years for me has been what we call editing hell because all you do is edit every day and you edit look at a computer screen for eight hours a day five days a week for you know going on two or three months it gets pretty bad luckily this summer I've had a lot of shooting days mixed in with that so it's been better but Every now and again, you'll get a certain project or a certain shoot that's going to turn out like this one to where I've got to stretch my brain as far as I possibly can to try and make something out of nothing. I I did a good job in the field of making sure I get explanations, talk about it, what's going on, what are we doing, why are the fish so deep, you know, what what are we thinking is happening, you know, we're leaving, we're coming back, we're going out again, we're staying late, all of those things. I get them to talk about on camera, but it's, once I get back to the edit, what that means to me is, now I've got probably three times more clips than I'm used to, just because it was an unsuccessful trip, or not an unsuccessful trip, it was a less successful trip, because we did end up shooting some fish on the last day, but I've got to try and make an entire short piece out of one day. And I've got to comb through a bunch of crap to get there. And that's the problem when this stuff happens is, like like I've said before, I'm editing in the field, in my head. I'm shooting to edit. But when nothing's happening and nothing's going on or the animals aren't cooperating, what do you do? And in my case, and especially in bow fishing, when you don't know if you're going to get one or not, you have to film everything. And that makes it really frustrating and takes three times as much time to edit when you get back because you've got all that footage that you would normally not have shot. Like I can look at my clips and I can tell you I would have shot half or less than half of this if we would have been in fish or if it would have been a better trip. Well, all that does is create more time for me in editing and it has to make me be more creative which is good. I need to be creative. I need to try and, you know, continually try and push myself and make things better. But, you know, I've got two minutes in a timeline. I need it to be about six or eight minutes. And I don't know how I'm going to get there. Not with the attitude that I have right now. I know my attitude right now is not great. And that's part of the problem. I tell my wife all the time, you know, part of the, part of the problem, you know, the reason that things aren't going your way or having a bad day is because of your attitude. And I can tell you right now, my attitude towards this today sucks. And this is not what I want to be doing today. So I am essentially talking this out on this podcast because I've got to get in the groove. I've got to figure out a way to get my head wrapped around this project and finish it because I have to have it done before I go out of town because I'll be out of town for another week. And I have all the edits for that, so that'll just put me that much more behind. So, essentially, I am using my listeners, thank you guys, to be 
hopefully my motivation as I talk this through to myself because I was sitting here with my head down on my desk looking at my screen going, how in the heck am I going to do this today? I don't feel like doing this today. I don't want to do this today. So what better way than to try and talk it out, try and figure out a way to do it. So I'm going to kind of go through my thought process on what I want to do with this edit because usually what I'll do is I'll sit down and I'll write out some notes and what I want to do, but instead I'm going to talk it out on this podcast as to what I'm going to do next. So right now I've got a uh, kind of an intro built, a graphical intro that's got some voiceover explaining what the what the you know the short's going to be about. It's about three brothers and a best friend that go down to Key West every year and they go bow fishing for mahi-mahi and they go spear fishing for cobia and kuda and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and essentially I explain that with scenics and shots on the boat of all the brothers and pictures and everything else graphically. Then I get into the first um, morning, setting up the first morning on the boat, everybody getting on the boat, going out, what the conditions are, the who, what, when, where, why, and whether. Um, then we get on the boat, you know, we get a little more explanation as to where we're going and what we're fishing for. And then, you know, how cool this is to be a different form of fishing and bow fishing. And it's something that most people don't do as far as fishing for, or, or bow fishing for, uh, mahi-mahi. It's not really commonplace. Not a lot of people do it. So kind of talk about that a little bit and, Pretty much that's where I'm at. So what I've got to do is I've got to wrap my head around, all right, what is the next step? So what I've got to do next is I've got to get to the first place that we start shooting fish. But I know we don't shoot any fish this first day. We shoot at fish, but we don't ever shoot anything. So the reason that we don't ever shoot any fish this first day is because they're so deep and they won't come up. So I've got to figure out how to get into the first fishing, get into the first set of shots into the water we have an underwater camera um uh, one of the one of the brothers actually is diving underwater with an underwater rig so he's getting all this from underwater so i've got several perspectives which is good and i've got to explain why the fish are deep you know why they're not coming up uh, show some of the frustration on the boat and then we're going to have to push time along to where i fast forward to that evening where we have given up on shooting them now we are going to try and get into the underwater and spearfish. I think we shoot one or two fish with a spear, then transition to the next day, which nothing happens. So I probably will just montage that next day, shoot at some fish, not hit anything, go into the last day where everything happens. And that day will, most of my time will be spent on that day of getting fish in, chumming them up, shooting them, getting them in the boat, talking about mahi-mahi and how good they are to eat and all that good stuff and and then close it out and I know that's a super short you know rendition of how I see this going but talking it out talking it through making notes try engaging your time as to how long or how short something needs to be um, you know and I was talking to when I had Jim over here last week was that last week yeah that was last week when I had him over I was talking about how much dialogue that you need to have. And I think that's where a lot of guys fall short when they're videoing is 
they don't get enough dialogue, they don't ask enough questions, they don't get enough talking on camera. You can't have enough of that, in my opinion. You've got to have a ton of it. But when you get a ton of it, you have to have footage to support it. So when you have somebody that rambles on for three or four minutes or that doesn't enunciate, and this is something me and Jim also talked about, not to go down a rabbit trail, but when you have somebody that is talking on camera or you're getting an interview from or you're just getting them to explain something or set something up, for example, I say, okay, I'm behind the camera and I look at my, my talent and I say, okay, tell me what we're doing and where we're at. All right, my talent, where, say we're doing a, a bow fishing trip off the coast of Key West. So my subject starts by saying, you know, we're down here in Key West filming a bow fishing show for Mahi Mahi and we're going to go out today for about 40 miles and we're not, and we're going to go out to where, you know, we're going to, oh, hold on, screwed up, let me start over, okay. Well, what he did was, he's not ending his sentences. He's running through his sentences. He's never actually giving me a place to stop and edit. He's never enunciating or finishing a sentence to where it has a pause. I hope that was over-exaggerated enough to understand what I'm saying. You've got to make sure when you have somebody that is your subject or your talent to where they give you concise answers. They answer the question and they finish the sentence. They don't sound like they're going on and on and on and never going to finish their sentence. They have to finish the sentence and give you a good place to break, even if it's a three-frame pause to where they can go to the next thought, or you can cut out a thought, or you can cut out an entire sentence. Because if they don't have those things, if you're not looking and listening for that when you're producing, it's going to play heck when you're trying to edit it. If you don't have somebody that enunciates, finishes their sentences, and concise with their answers, it's going to make it extremely difficult. Try and make people answer questions in two to three sentences. Don't say, tell me what happened today. Because if you ask them what happened today, they're going to give you a 15-sentence answer. So what you can do, a lot of times what I'll do is somebody that's not experienced on camera, I'll ask them that question. What happened today? I'll film the entire 10 or 15-sentence you know, answer. And then I'll say, okay, tell me about the fish that broke off. And they'll give me a three or four sentence answer. Okay, why did that fish break off? And then you drill down even more. Was it, you know, do we need to get some more gear for tomorrow? Get them to answer that question. And, you know, what's the weather going to be tomorrow? Get them to answer that question. So essentially what you do is you take that 15 sentence answer and you break it down into four or five parts that are usable parts, that are usable and digestible when you go to edit and that's extremely important because once you get into editing and all you have is one 15-sentence answer, you can't effectively cut that up, especially if you don't have somebody that knows how to enunciate and answer the questions correctly. So you have got to constantly be behind the camera guiding that conversation, guiding those questions, guiding those answers. And if you didn't get the answer you wanted, tell them, say, hey, I want you to make sure you say something about this. Do it again. And then do it again. It's not rocket science. But remember, when we're getting all of these things, when we're getting all of this dialogue, when we hear our subject talk about something, the weather, the boat, the gear, the the fish, the something, we have to have supporting B-roll for those things. So if they talk about the weather, we've got to get some sort of shot that talks about the weather. They talk about the boat, they talk about the motor, they talk about the gear. We have to get video to support all of those things. 
It doesn't have to be the exact thing, but it has to make sense to be a B-roll shot for what that subject is talking about. And that helps us in editing because we can use that B-roll to cover up edits. That is so important as well. If you don't have that supporting B-roll, all you're going to do is look at somebody talking. You're going to have a talking head the entire time. And like I said, when I'm editing, most of the time I'm changing shots every three to six seconds. If I don't have a bunch of B-roll, if I don't have a bunch of supporting clips, a bunch of second angles, a bunch of you know tights, you know wide, medium tight, wide, medium tight. If I don't have those things, I don't have enough footage to support my you know my talking, my content. Then it's just talking heads, and nobody wants to watch talking heads. And it also, when you have enough footage and enough B-roll, that helps you keep your show pace up. That helps you keep your um, your viewer engaged, because we've got to keep those shots moving. Unless there's a reason for them not to be moving. And the only reason I can find to not have a clip every three to six seconds, if there's an animal coming in, or if there's a reason that we need to be dramatic, or if there's a reason that we need to show something for more than six seconds. And that that rarely happens. That's happened to me some, but it rarely ever happens. Most of the time, those animals coming in have cutaways. Most of the time, those animals coming in have a second angle or they have a push-in, or they're edited to music to where I, I jump cut. There's a lot of reasons and a lot of ways to keep your show pace up and to keep your viewer engaged. And those are just a couple of the reasons. But I just really started talking, and now I've went down a rabbit hole. Um, I'm sorry, I don't even know what I'm going to entitle this podcast or what I'm going to, or if it's even going to help. But I am just here... Looking at a timeline, trying to talk myself through it, and I figured I'd bring you guys along to try and help me work through it. Um, this is something that that is going to happen if you do this enough, uh, especially when it's something that's outside your comfort zone. Like this offshore fishing, not my cup of tea. I'm not a not a fan. I don't care about doing it. Um, I did this trip because it's a project that I've been working on, and oh man, it was a rough one. It's one of the rougher ones I've ever done. And uh, I love Brian to death, but uh, I don't know if I'll ever do this one again. It's just something that's, I think, it's kind of like horses. You've got to grow up with horses to like horses. And I didn't grow up with horses, therefore, I don't care nothing about horses. But uh, this one's probably going to be pretty short, but... I don't know. I think I think it's valuable. I think it's valuable to know when you get into a rut, into a struggle, for me, is just talking it out, writing it out, taking notes, and just trying to keep yourself focused. Because that's what I'm lacking today. I'm lacking a good attitude and I'm lacking focus. But I don't get any more time. There's no more time in the day. There's no more, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So... Got to get it done. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get it done. Oh.